a father's grief, a child's abandonment, a lover's transformation. Peel back the skin and witness the beating, bloody heart of author Eric LaRocca's debut fiction collection, The Strange Thing We Become and Other Dark Tales. Hot off the release of the best-selling novella, Things Have Gotten Worse Since We Last Spoke, LaRocca's new collection features eight chilling tales of the macabre. Praised by iconic voices in horror such as Daniel Krauss, Tim Wagner, and Chad Lutsky, this collection is sure to be one of the most talked about collections released this year. The Strange Thing We Become and Other Dark Tales releases on September 1st, 2021 from Off Limits Press and is available to order wherever books are sold. Here at HorrorOasis.com, we are advocates of the horror genre and strive to amplify underrepresented voices in the horror community. This space is for indie artists to promote their work. Please enjoy your stay, and hopefully it's not your last. Looking for your next horror writing podcast fix? The This Is Hard podcast for readers, writers, and creators is the ultimate show for writing advice, tips, and a personal look into the lives of all your favorite authors. This is Horror Podcast. Listen in to long-form conversations with some of the best writers and creatives on the planet. Over 400 episodes with masters of horror such as Joe R. Lansdale, Chuck Palahniuk, Josh Mallerman, Joe Hill, Charlene Harris, Craig Clevenger, Ellen Datlow, Kathy Koja, and many more. The This Is Horror Podcast. Listen in at www.thisishorror.com. That's the This Is Horror Podcast for readers, writers, and creators. Everybody, thank you for joining us for another episode. Before we dive in, just want to remind you, our friend at This Is Horror, Michael David Wilson, offers a consultation for writing and editing services. Two guests worth of noting are two people he's worked with, Josh Mallerman and David Moody. For more information on that, go to www.michaeldavidwilson.co.uk slash editing. Don't Break the Oath is the fourth volume of the Women in Horror anthologies from Candisha Press. Featuring a foreword from the VP of the HWA, Megan O'Curry, and stories from 23 women from all around the world. Candles will burn as we speak our dark oath. Edited by Jill Girardi and Janine Pipe. Don't Break the Oath will be out in ebook and paperback on Halloween. Thank you.
Welcome to Dead Headspace, a part of Silver Shamrock's Horrorcast, a podcast network that includes Killing Time with Silver Shamrock and Unbearing the Dead, where we exhume classic horror paperbacks for the new generation. I'm your host, Patrick R. McDonough, joined always by my co-host, Bren LaFaro. Say hi, Brennan. Hello, everybody. And we got returning guest host, Ronald Kelly. Say hi, Ron. Howdy, y'all. And today we're talking with the founder of Thunderstorm Books, uh, Please forgive me if I mess up your surname, but is it Paul Goblerch? Pretty close. Uh, Paul Goblish. Oh, man. Say hi, Paul. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> now, let's just dive right into it, man. What got you into horror? Um, Actually, you know, the I was in a supermarket checkout line, and I saw a Stephen King book, um, which was the first of his little green mile. And if you remember, they came out in paperback in these like six monthly installments. Yeah. And I was in a, you know, in the supermarket checkout line. And I remember like when I was a kid, I would read the like three investigators and choose your own adventure, stuff like that. Right. So I just was just on a whim. I just picked it up. It's like, oh, this kind of reminds me of when I was a kid. So I, I grabbed it and um, immediately got hooked. And then I started buying all of King's stuff and working my way backwards. And um, so basically I, I ended up starting to collect books. I was a big book collector in the early 2000s. Um, and that's kind of how I got my start. So it's a little bit different than most people because most people start with movies. And I was, I've, you know, I actually started with a book. So <laughs> <laughs> Brennan, you want to dive in or Ron? So I'm just thinking of the the Green Mile now. And, um, you know, by the time I came to it, uh, it was already published as a complete novel. Um, I didn't have to undergo the uh, oh, I can't even imagine what it was like to wait for each installment of that, because even when you get to the end of a certain section of that book uh, and, and, you know, you can turn the page and go to the next one. It's it's, a you know, you can't put it down and go to sleep for the night. That's a that's a beauty of a book and one of the rare uh, Stephen King adaptations that I feel like the movie did justice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed the movie as well, but yeah, it was, it was, I remember, I mean, that's just a long time ago, but I do remember, I, I can't remember the day of the month it came out, but I was back at the store the <laughs> first day it came out. Yeah. So. I mean, too, I, I was right there with you <laughs> and it, it was maddening waiting for that next installment. <laughs> Hey, and then so uh so so what's ron do you know installment number one and then yeah. we're gonna wait we're gonna wait six months for number two and six months for number three so <laughs> so, so we're, we're continuing the <laughs> you gotta oh, give me that and write another one so <laughs> are those right, ron, that's very cruel <laughs> paul are those all uh thunderstorm books behind you uh Yes, I believe so. Yeah, they're all all thunderstorm. The ones that you can see directly behind me. I have some. Uh, I have wall the walls behind me, and then off to the sides as well. I got some other publisher stuff on the on the sides. It used to be all just other publishers, and when I first started, I had a little corner, and I've been slowly expanding <laughs> it over the years. And now it's like, oh my goodness, I can't fit anything anymore. I'm gonna have yeah. to scale back on some of my own stuff. I think. Oh. That makes me. I got closets full of stuff. Closets <laughs> full of books. I'm just like nowhere to keep them all. <laughs> that sounds amazing. So, 
random question, but you are, you know, you're from Arizona. Sisters of Slaughter, Melissa and Michelle are from there. Uh, remind me if memory serves correct. Isn't there a picture of you, Ian, Ron, and the Sisters of Slaughter together yeah. from a few years ago? That's awesome. Yeah, it's too, uh, 2019, summer of 2019, we we were driving out to California. We we did a, one of those big road trips, you know, two weeks uh, to California and back. And, and we stopped in uh, Mesa and, and met up with Paul and, and uh, uh, the sisters and ate a Cracker Barrel and had a good time. Oh, man. Sign me up for that. No, those two are amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just... brought... Uh... I brought out a uh, fresh, right off the press copies of Mayan Blue and um, the Buzzard yeah. Zone. The Buzzard <laughs> Zone, yeah. Yeah, it the, came the, very. Oh, good. It was a good dinner too. It was, a, it was. I enjoyed. It was the first time I met Ron. I had met the. I had met uh, Michelle and uh, Melissa earlier, but I, that's the first time I met Ron. It was a good dinner. Yeah, Mayan Blue. That's their debut novel, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. It wasn't the first thing I published of theirs, but it was their. It was their debut. Okay. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. And uh, you know, let's just jump into it. Uh their next book that they announced what was that the uh Mary San Giovanni's um what's that called? The Expo yeah, Buzz, Buzz. Book. yeah, Buzz Book Expo. Yeah, and uh Michelle and Melissa's next book, Scum Janitors We're Still Living Dead. What, what, yeah. can you, what can you tell us? That cover is crazy. I love it. It looks kind of like a G.G. Allen cover for an album. <laughs> yeah, the verses line. That, that's a, a line of books I got called Verses. Um, it was actually kind of started about uh, with Todd Clark. He does a lot of Thunderstorm work. Um, and he had an idea, man, maybe five, six years ago about having these authors pair you know, um, different characters in their own multiverses against each other or having characters combine and combat somebody. And I kind of thought of it as, you know, kind of the old school comic books that used to do that. You know, they'd have team ups and this versus this and that sort of thing. And it ended up, um, it ended up the, the book we were going to do ended up not really working. Um, because there was going to be multiple authors in one book. So I asked him, I like, Hey, do you want to start, you know, just start a line of books uh, with the same concept and then just kind of expand and open it up. So it doesn't have to be specific characters. It can be like genre tropes or however you want to want to do it. And um, he was open for that idea. So um, the, um, the Sisters of Slaughter book is number four, and that one just came in stock. So I, I just started shipping that one. Uh, but it's just a crazy mayhem book. Um, the, and all the front covers, again, like you mentioned, they, they kind of remind me of like a comic book panel feel. Um, the cover artist for the Sisters book was uh, was Alex McVeigh, and he usually does a, a great job for me. I really enjoy his covers. But so far, we've had a different uh, different cover artist for each each uh versus book so that's pretty neat man and for those that aren't familiar could you tell us a little bit about thunderstorm books how it started why it started and what it is about sure sure so thunderstorm basically um specializes in signed limited edition hardcover books um i've done occasional paperbacks occasional chat books but my my main thing is hardcovers and they're usually signed and limited um 
it basically started, and I've, I've told this story before, but uh, it basically started, there was a uh, Australian press called Wild Roses way back in the mid-2000s. And they announced these a six-book set of up-and-coming authors in limited edition format, um, and they were based out of Australia. So, um, so I tracked down book one and two and paid a premium. I think I paid over double cover price for them because I'm like, oh, I have to have this set. So I bought book one and two, and and um, James Newman's book, The Wicked, was supposed to be book number five, and. I managed to secure like the rights to that. Like I, I got on a uh, on a list saying, "Hey, when it comes out, um, you know, you can buy it." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, cool." So I was so happy. I was, try- you know, I was just, I was super happy. So uh, anyway, then they. Am I getting feedback? Yeah, I just started picking up on that. That's weird. Is it good now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that seems to be gone. That was weird. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, um, so then Wild Roses shut down, and James is like, he, you know, and I was like, I was so disappointed. And I was in the mirror, and I, I looked in. My, I was actually into my bathroom, looking at myself in the mirror, and I'm, I said to myself, "Why couldn't I publish it?" I don't know why it came to me that way, um, but it did. And I was, and then I started really getting into researching it. Um, asking people in the business what it's like, what some pitfalls are, how to start out. And I did that for well over a year. I mean, by then, he'd actually sold it to Necessary Evil. So I, I, I didn't just immediately type out an email to James. But um, but it was like it got it got the, the mind rolling for it. And um, I was already a huge book collector. So I was I was buying a lot of signed limited edition books. So mm. I kind of had that a little bit of that background going in. Um, I took a lot of, you know, business type classes in, in high school and college. So it wasn't like it was, you know, something that I, I, I was confident that it's something I could handle as far as like the finances and the math involved in it and that sort of thing. Um, so then finally, you know, you know, the day came where I just took the plunge and said, let's, let's start this up and see what I can do with it. Hmm. So Brennan, I'm still around after I started. The, my, You're first still book around. Came, my first book came out in 2008, which if, <laughs> if anybody remembers, that's probably not the best year to start a press, but <laughs> I, I, I survived it, I guess. And, you know, <laughs> What 13, 14 years later, I'm still doing it. So well, it's not like there was a massive unprecedented collapse in re- the real estate back then. <laughs> ah, no, nothing. Yeah, nothing, <laughs> nothing going on in the world at the time. So. <laughs> so Paul, you mentioned that you know you spent about a year researching what it would take to uh be able to do this. So uh, I'm curious, what are kind of uh some of the big pitfalls you learned about and avoided what, what, what are some of the best things you, you learned about that you would pass on to anybody who's thinking of doing the same? Oh yeah. I mean, that's a great question because um, it's not that you can't make mistakes because I still make mistakes, you know, 14 years in Um, it's that you have to make small mistakes and learn from them fairly quickly. Um, And a lot of presses, um, I think, especially back then, I don't see it as much now, but they'll announce things and they'll, 
there's a financial method of you know of the of a press and some of the some of the stuff in the beginning isn't as expensive as the stuff at the end so for example reaching out to the author and offering them an advance and off you know buying cover artwork isn't the most expensive part of the process that's but when you pay a printer bill especially in hardcover format i mean it's 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 huge so say you reach out to an author and you say, hey, I, you know, I want to, you know, you come to terms with them and you got a book going and then you get this cover art. And I mean, cover art's the funnest part of the job. I mean, you got to admit, you open up a file. I mean, I bet you Ron will say the same thing. He loves opening up files when Alex Ooh. or Zach sends it to him and it's like, whoa, you know, right? So yeah. you get these, you get the cover, you got this manuscript you love and it's like, oh, this is all great. And then... Now you got to go pay a lot of money for somebody to print and bind it. And it's kind of out of your hands at that point. And it's like, eh, I could go buy a, another manuscript. I could go buy a, <laughs> another cover art. That's, you know, that's the rush. Right. And then before you know it, you're in over your head and nothing's getting printed. So if you ever wanted to start, I would say start slow. I mean, even, and I didn't do that myself. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna admit, I'm a little bit of a hypocrite. Um, I had three books under contract by the time the first one came out. Oh, so wow. it was like, eh, but I realized it was like, yeah, I'm going down the same road that I knew I shouldn't. And I kind of stopped myself at that point. So I caught myself in time. And, and one of them was a, you know, a sort of a chat book. So it was a smaller uh, smaller title, but still it was like, I had to even self be self-aware enough not to make some of the, the mistakes I had seen going on. Um, and I, I don't know, I don't know if that's a, even a mistake nowadays. Cause you know, the, the, there's not a lot of hardcover presses, at least coming out right now. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that sort of advice is more on the hardcover line because now you can get, once you get, uh, an author lined up and cover art lined up, you know, uploading it to Amazon is a fairly quick process. So I, I don't think that advice would hold true necessarily for a um, paperback press, but, you know, paperback presses have other things They you know, review copies and, um, you know, spreading the word and getting, getting a mass amount of people to try to, you know, to buy and enjoy the book. So they got different marketing strategies that they probably have to, evaluate, which is probably uh, would make that advice still hold true. You don't want to have four different brand new authors, brand new books, trying to market them all at the same time would probably be difficult if you're first starting out. But What's the, well, that, that's the advice I would give. So I don't know if it's good advice or not, but. Well, I certainly had, you know, Thunderstorm's business model in mind when I asked it, as opposed to, um, you know, and not to not to throw sh shade, certainly, because there's uh, the the indie publishers that are uh, using like Amazon direct to publishing and getting, you know, new voices, new authors, new stories out there. Like you know, my book's not out there without them. So um, but, you know, Thunderstorm puts out this really, really excellent product. And um, Pat, if, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to cut in line in front of you um, because we can bring Ron in on this one, uh, even though uh, we're going to want to talk about Deadeye a little bit later, Ron has worked with you once or twice before. So I'm wondering if you could both tell us a little bit about the process from 
essentially from deciding that you want to do a collectible book with an author to the finished product? Well, in my case, I usually contact Paul and ask him, would you like to do this book? And, and nine times out of 10, he says, you know, yeah, he'd like to do the hard, uh, limited hardcover. So um, I, we agree on when I'll deliver a, a manuscript and, and usually, I, you know, we have um, Alex McVeigh or Zach McCain do my covers. They, they've done, since 2006, they've done, I'd say, 85, 90% 90 of my covers. So, so you know, they have a real, really good relationship with Paul. And, and so that that's, you know, that's a big thing out of the way, you know. And uh, so, um, you know, I... I submit the manuscript to Paul and and then we get the, the proofreaders involved, you know, Todd Clark and and uh, several others and and uh, and then uh, I just love to see the uh, interior design when I get it because you know that's it you know it, instead of the typewritten page you're seeing what the book's gonna look like, you know, when it comes out and all that. So uh but uh, I, you know, Paul, I, I I was looking at your catalog on, of books on the uh, online today and and, and counted up, and, I, and I've been involved in nineteen thunderstorm books, including collections and stuff. So <laughs> me wow. and Paul's got a, me and Paul's got a history. So um, and uh, my I started out with I think it was two thousand nine. We did the uh, the six stuff. It was the little. Uh, element, uh, the elemental. I think it was no, the second elemental. Uh, Nate Souther had the first one, right? The sixth stuff was the was the second one, I believe, and it went over very well, you know. And uh, you know, and look where it came. You know, we we did um, more six stuff in 2019, and and then you know, I decided to to do a paperback version. With all those two and the new one, um, even more sick stuff and and uh, essential sick stuff was born. So, and got the splatter punk for it. And so, you know, I I, I contribute a lot of, of that success to Paul because he had the, the he had the um, you know the confidence in me to to you know accept you know accept that first manuscript. That I pitched you, and and also you know Paul did the essential Ronald Kelly collection and did all eight um, zebra books, you know, as hardcovers, and they're absolutely beautiful, and uh, and they're 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 quite a bit collectible items now because you know you can hardly find a a copy of uh, Undertaker's Moon, the first one, and it goes for uh, quite a bit of you know on eBay or or some of the online booksellers. It, it goes for quite a price. So, so Paul, I'm okay. curious. Brandon, oh, go ahead, okay, <laughs> Paul, I'm curious uh, as to when you first discovered Ron, because for uh, for Brennan and I, Ken McKill, we talked with Ken. He's a really good friend of mine, and Brennan's now. Um, he's the one that suggested, "Hey, you should look into this guy," because. Uh, Brennan and I weren't familiar with his work and I don't know how he weren't because it seems like he should be plastered everywhere alongside King and, and Matheson and all of them. So I'm curious when you first discovered Ronald Kelly. 
Uh, well, like Ron said, the first book I ever did of his was The Sick Stuff, and that was my fourth book overall. So it was right in the beginning. But, and I don't know, I don't know if I'm 100% right on my recollection, because we're, we're talking old school now. But um, if I remember right, um, the, the essential Ronald Kelly collection was going to come out through another press. Yeah. And um, I saw that and I was like, wow, I didn't really, I was a new press and I was like, I didn't really kind of realize that, man, you can just sign eight books at once. You know, I mean, I was like, I was, I was, you know, under the assumption it was all one at a time. So I'm like, man, and I was like, I got to buy these. I'm going to, you know, anyway, so I think I reached out to Ron because at the time, I think he was just coming back into it. Uh, You've probably heard, you know, through interviews and stuff, he was just getting back into it. And he was, he had a collection coming out through uh, Cemetery Dance and what was it? Hell House? Hell Hell Hollow was the novel came out. and Right. um, Right. Midnight Grinding was the short story collection. Right. So those two books were coming out and I bought those um, and I was like, hey, I'm going to reach out to him and see if he wants to do something. So that's kind of how I, and I don't even remember me. I mean, I don't remember. exactly the conversation we had um but i do remember you you kind of pitched hey let's do a you um i have some of these shorts that are kind of all kind of extra gross and uh <laughs> and then you had one one story that you had to rewrite you wrote it and you lost it yes I did. and then you and then you had to rewrite the whole thing and it was going to be the it was the new story as part of that you know mini collection right. so um, once we got that rolling, it was like, Hey, yeah, no, you know, you know, um, I had already, so once the six up came out was, it was pretty successful. Uh, you know, we did a little mini paperback and they were like, I don't, can't remember 10, 11 bucks, something like that. Um, and then I did a, you know, a hardcover of that as well. Um, and then after that though, it was like once, you know, if the process goes smooth for both the author and the publisher, it's kind of a great thing because then it opens up the chance to do more work. And then um, we did after the burn um, Mm. was our second book. And, and then at, and then right after that came out, um, which is one of my favorites, by the way, well, after that came out, you know, the essentials were available again. And so we kind of decided to work on that together. Um. That one took a little bit longer. We were originally going to go on a quarterly schedule, and it ended up taking a while. But I remember, I remember when I when I got what's that? It was about three years. No, I believe. Yeah, but I mean, it's well worth it. I mean, if we're both around for a while, so it's. (laughs) uh, But yeah, so Ron's right. I mean, you know, here we are, twenty twenty one, and nineteen books together, and so it's there's. A publisher's dream is to find authors that are just kind of easy to work with, where we kind of both know where you're coming from, um, and you kind of just have this business relationship that's, you know, just smooth, I guess is the best word to describe it. And I, I think Ron and I have that. And it's like, like he said, you know, he just sends me something. You want to do a limited to this? Sure. You know, um, actually, though, the, the new one coming out, the the dead eye saga, man, we discussed this maybe six years ago, five or six years ago. And I was like, yeah, it was like, I was busy with other stuff. And it was like, "Ah, I don't know if I'm going to, 
I mean, I think we were just wrapping up the essentials at the time. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to, you know, it was just, I don't know. The timing just wasn't right. It wasn't that I wasn't interested. It was just a, a timing thing. And then yeah. all of a sudden, it, too. yeah. And then all of a sudden it's just like, it came back up and it was like, yeah, let's do this. This sounds great. So, mm-hmm. so a lot of times in publishing, it, it seems, and I don't know if this is true from an author's perspective, but it seems like if a, if a deal doesn't happen right away, it's not going to happen. And that's really not true. I mean, t- time and time again, it's like, I've, I've had other books from other authors that, um, you know, a couple of years later, it comes up again. And then we work, we work on it. It's, it's, it's kind of a weird, a weird little thing, but um, is so, you know, things have a way of working out. I mean, the essentials is a perfect example. I mean, I never dreamt I was going to get a chance to do those. I mean, they were under contract for with somebody else. I mean, and then all of a sudden it's like the timing came out, you know, the time happened to work out for me and it's like, Oh, okay. Let's, you know, let's do those. Yeah, so they turned out, they turned out beautifully too. So I'm very appreciative of, of every, you know, the design work and, and everything like that. I, I was going to say that, uh, I, I mean, these books um, from the covers to the, to the interiors, to the end papers are just absolutely beautiful. I wanted to show some of the end papers on some of these books. Here's, um, here's the one for um, the buzzard zone. It's kind of blue with swirls of gold and everything. And actually, it complements the colors in the, in the cover. And uh, there's, a funny, uh, there's a funny story Paul told me about uh, how he picks the ink cover, covers for his books. Paul, could you tell us about that? Yeah, uh, so... Um, basically I'm, I'm colorblind. <laughs> so, so I usually have my daughter help me pick out end, end papers and, uh, and, uh, for the most part, she does a great job at it. So, and I try to, I try to match, um, either, either make it match the cover or maybe make it contrast the cover. It, it just kind of depends, but I try to give it a, kind of a unique feel, but you know, I've, uh, you know, I've had to use them again. You know, it's like I've I've gone through like where I get my end papers. I've gone through them multiple times already. So I, <laughs> unless a new company comes along that designs end papers, is that there we go. Um, but one time on a side story on uh, um, on the end paper end papers. Uh, she helped me pick out the end papers. So I'm, I'm doing the Lost Level series of books by Brian Keene. Mm-hmm. And the second book, Return to the Lost Level, she picks out these papers that kind of have like flowers on them a little bit. So um, sometimes I have them send me the papers so I can review them. But after a while, it's like, yeah, I, I kind of I know how to read the descriptions and I can figure out if it's going to work or not just based on the description. So I don't do that all the time anymore. Like I did when I was starting out <laughs> anyway. So I'm thinking, Oh, I'm good. I'm good to go. And, and, uh, the return of loss level M papers has these like sparkly glitter on them. <laughs> and I swear. I mean, you will open up and hold the book and you end up getting glitter on yourself. And I'm just sitting there thinking, I, I, I thought, you know, 
the way my twisted mind is some guy out there read the lost level and his wife walks in, man, where have you been? You know, you know, (laughs) I was reading a book. I swear. Like, no, you aren't. You probably went to some club or something like that because he got glitter all over himself. But, uh, (laughs) but yeah, so, but most of the time the end papers, yeah, she helps me out, helps pick them out. And I try to, you know, make them a little bit extra special. I I got, go ahead, Ron. Uh, Paul's very good about, uh, uh, you know, working with author on, you know, because you know me, I like to be involved with the covers and and stuff like that. And he's actually l- let me use some of my own art. Like here's here's the um, the third edition of um, Restless Shadows. I did the cover illustration of that, and we did the full. Uh, stamp on the cover with that, like that. And, and also have more sick stuff and you you mm. see i've got the t-shirt of that so <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you do too but uh yeah paul's very good about uh you know you know if you have an idea or something like that he's he's very receptive to it and and uh it's it's just a it's just a pleasure working with a publisher that you know has the author's, you know, um, you know, there he he works with the authors and and um, it's just it's just great. It's just a great uh, publishing relationship. That's awesome, uh, Paul. I'm curious from a publisher's point of view. Have you noticed? Maybe I'm way off base and not really trying to sound judgy, but it seems like a lot of writers nowadays seem to want to rush the final product and i don't mean that they're cutting corners and doing it wrong but i'm just kind of saying that if like you said if they can't get something done so quickly then they think like oh it's either now or never does that does that seem to ring true to you as a publisher now or has it kind of always been like that you know i'm not sure um because what 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 we're seeing in the industry is we see the final product, right? So even myself, if if paperback publishers are um, coming out with books, we we don't really have the history of how long that took to get there. I mean, it might have been something really quick, um, but it might have been something that they worked on for a long time, and you know they just now announced it. Um, so, like I said, like. Uh, before today, I don't know if a lot of people knew that, you know, Ron and I had this, I, you know, Ron had the idea about the dead eye, but uh, like this has been going on for a long time. We've had other books come out since like the buzzard zone, but I wouldn't necessarily call dead eye like, or the buzzard zone like rushed and dead eye expanded out and really, you know, you know what I mean? Um, So it's really hard to tell it's, and I guess my, my advice on that was more like um, to try not, if you're an author, to try not to dis- get discouraged if something doesn't work out right away. Um, mm. You know, just, you know, go on to the next thing, go on to the next book. Um, and things have a way of working out. Um, I see today's in the industry, the talent pool is immense. I mean, there are so many talented writers out there right now. It's just, 
it's just amazing. I, I think this is kind of like, I don't want to use the word the golden age, but I mean, it's really, really, the talent pool is huge. And yeah. I'm not saying it wasn't back then, but I was kind of, maybe it was because I was new. I'm not sure. Maybe I just didn't understand the scope, but, um, but today's young talent, especially is, it's just amazing. So, um, so when I see, and I see new, you know, books, you know, from first time authors and they, they still read great. And it's like, wow, this, you know, this, this is awesome. So, so I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I guess I didn't really answer your question, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. It doesn't, it doesn't feel rushed when I read a brand new book from a brand new author that comes out from a, you know, from some of the, the presses that I, I buy. So. Okay. I guess my follow-up question would be, what do you look for in authors or do you pursue authors to sign up with uh, Thunderstorm books? Uh, you know, that's a great question because Thunderstorm is mostly invitee-only press and a lot of people don't really understand, you know, they might not understand what what that means. Technically, what that means is um, I would reach out to them. But in reality, is that the way it always works? Not necessarily. Sometimes an author will recommend another author to me. Like if, if Ron came to me and said, hey, Paul, you got to go check out this. I'm probably going to believe him just because, like you said, we've done 19 books together. <laughs> um, you know, Brian Keene and I were running the Maelstrom set for a lot of years, and those were bringing in new authors to the mix. Uh, and, you know, even every once in a while, I'll pick up, you know, new authors. They'll say, hey, what do you would you be interested in reading this? And if the timing's right, maybe I'll give it a go. Um, but I'm sorry, what was your question again? I'm, I'm, I must be confused. I've started. Oh, that's all right. I was wondering, I, uh, no, you kind of answered. Oh yeah. What, what do you look for in an author? That's yeah, what you were asking. Yep. What do you look for? So for me, uh, I'm sorry. I went off on a tangent there, but when I'm, look, when, when I'm looking for is, um, I mean, basically good characters. I mean, I'm kind of a character kind of guy and it, it might sound weird because I've done a lot of extreme type horror, uh, but still it's like, you know, I, I really enjoy good character development um, more so maybe than action or plot. Um, but, you know, just a good overall story. Um, I think I'm pretty simple guy if I like it or if my editors like it. I'll, I'll want to publish it. And if I don't like it or my editors don't like it, I might pass on it. It's kind of, I hate to say it that way, but mm -hmm. it's kind of, it's kind of true. It's not um, one of the things when I started the press and I don't know if anybody's you know noticed, but I don't say what I publish. It's not thunderstorm books, horror publisher. It's not thunderstorm books, you know, this specific genre or this, you know, even though I've done a lot of extreme horror, it's not, extreme horror mm -hmm. and that's because i want to publish whatever i want to publish and right. if it's if it doesn't fit into a certain mold or if it's a mixed genre or if it's a cross genre or if it's a sub genre i you know a lot of people get in you know intense discussions over all these labels and it's just like eh. i mean i've published nonfiction before when you know so it's, it's just it just kind of depends on what it is but you know if i like it and enjoy it I'll want to publish it. I, I, I like crime stuff too. And some of the stuff I've even done are almost more like mystery. I've done a couple of books that to me seem more like mystery, but I'm not really worried about what label people are going to put on it. And people enjoy it. And so far that model's worked. 
I hope it continues to work because it's, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could do a specific type of book every single time. I don't, I don't know. That would, to me, it would be boring. I don't know. I know yeah. some presses specialize in that, so I'm not trying to down on them. If they're into one certain thing and they want to do that every time, hey, more power to you. That's great. But I personally, I couldn't do that. I have to have a mix of various genres, various styles, various voices, um, the whole nine yards. I can relate with that. I mean, like we say that we talk to creators in hard crime and dark fiction, but I mean, we got planned authors for the end of this year that don't fit any of that. And, you know, it's just, you never know who you're going to talk to. And Right. I, I mean, no, I'm a public, you got a publisher on your show. I was like, man, you're really <laughs> reaching down to the bottom of the barrel now. Huh? <laughs> you got a lot of great books. Uh, we've had a few publishers on and you, Richard Chismar. Oh yeah, Rich is, he's awesome. Love Rich, uh, Lisa and Kristoff from Clash Books, Joe Meinhardt from uh, Crystal Lake, Crystal Lake, and then of course Ken McKinley from Ooh, Silver, Silver Shamrock. Yeah, um, yeah. My first ever limited edition was uh, was The Loss by Jack Ketchum, which was published by Cemetery Dance. So a couple of years ago, um, Brian Keene had a thing out here in Arizona where he was doing his Silver Door project, and Rich was involved with that. So, um, I got a chance to meet him and it was just like, I was kind of starstruck, like, Oh my God. <laughs> but anyway, I brought my copy of the loss and I asked him to sign it and he signed it for me. And as I was, I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to get rid of this book. I'm going to keep it forever. So, you know, you can put whatever you want. And, and he, you know, he kind of inscribed it and signed it and it, you know, made my year. So <laughs> he's just such a laid back guy. And I mean, look at all he's doing. Uh, I saw, I don't know if you guys know Kevin Lucia. He just uh, an author that just announced. Um, hold up. Sorry, an author that just announced that he is doing the paperback and trade uh, editing for Cemetery Dance. I think that's a new branch for them. I thought they always did limited hardcovers. So I don't know. My whole point is is that that Cemetery Dance is a pretty exciting force to reckon with and. He's such a laid back guy. I mean, we were talking about fart jokes when he came on here. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, I've been talking a lot. We're on. One of you two take over. Uh, now, Paul's, Paul's uh, published some lists. Paul uh, had the what, what was it called? The Douglas line of Western a few years ago. Oh, the, the Western lines. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I did a line of like I said, I I didn't put a label on the on the press. I was doing some Western stuff. It was one of those things that uh, kind of the materials dictated the line. Mm-hmm. I got my hands on this this suede like brown material, and I'm like, man, this is cool material, but it really wouldn't work for a horror book. But man, it would really work good for a Western. So we did kind of the the Western. Uh, the Western horror mix um, kind of before it was popular. I know it's huge popular now, but um, I did a seven of those. I believe Ron, Ron's timber gray was in there. Yeah. The first one I There wasn't any horror to that at all. Of course that was, if, yeah. I'd, if I'd put werewolves in it, I, it probably sold better, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah. yeah. 
I, I loved having that traditional Western published, you know, and, and it was a beautiful book. I mean, it was, it was like saddle leather almost. It was, it was, it was great. Yeah. It's, it's a weird kind of material. It's, 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 uh, but anyway, I did like six or seven of those books. I did seven of those books. And then, um, and then I had an opportunity to work with uh, Death's Head Press on their doing the hardcover version of their very, very popular, uh, uh, the splatterpunk westerns. Mm. So I kind of just set my westerns aside. I was going to be like, hey, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to um, do those for a while. You know, I don't know if I'll get back to them or not. I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure. But anyway, and then what happens anyway, right? I got, I got Ron's book. I got another book called Kiss of Life coming out um, from uh, Gene O'Neill and Gord Rollo. It's Western as well, kind of. So I don't know. It, I never say never to anything because stuff pops up and then it ends up happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The uh, splatterpunk question. That's a pretty big thing too. Now, um, before we, before we forget, I just wanted to ask, uh, Jonathan Jan signed 11 books with you before. Is that the most for a book contract that you have signed with someone? Um, I guess probably for like at, at one time, um, Let's see. I'm trying to think because Ron's was eight. And I mean, I ended up doing uh, uh, Brian Smith's bitter ale line ended up being 12, but I don't think that was all under one contract. I think I did six at a time or something like that, but that Jan story, and maybe this is the theme of the show. Cause I keep coming back to being patient in this and that the Jan's thing. Uh, what happened with that is um, he said, you know, I, I kind of reached out to him. Now this is before, well, in my, you know, in my opinion, this is before he kind of hit it big, right? Um, he was working with Sam Hain, um, but he had a book come out called The the Darkest Lullaby. And I don't remember exactly how, but somehow that ended up in my uh, inbox. I probably asked him, hey. And so we read through it and I was like, hey, you know, I want to kind of publish this, but I'm just not at the time. I really wasn't doing reprints. And um the industry was kind of going through a shift and it was like the hardcover first, you know, be back in the day, it was hardcover first, then paperback. And that started to shift and it was now becoming more paperback first than hardcover. And, and I was kind of not smart, but I was kind of like fighting that. I'm like, ah, no, I want to come up with, you know, original stuff. At the, at, I was saying that at the time. So I kind of just put that on hold and then, and then the, so so nothing happened, right? So then the next thing that came out of his was a new book that he was going to do called um, Exorcist Falls. And we had this kind of this plan of, hey, we'll have the hardcover come out at the same time as the paperback. I think he was going to do an audio book or an ebook or something like that. And there was this big plan to have them all come out at the same time. Um, but that ended up not working out. So... Um, it just ended up being, you know, it was, it was, I don't know the, all the reasons behind it, but it was like, ah, it's just not going to work. Um, so that's, you know, that's strike two, right. Uh, you know, I mean, um, and I was at the Tucson festival of books, which is kind of a book show thing they do down in Tucson. And I was walking with, I was walking with Brian Keene and I was walking with Todd Clark 
And the conversation went exactly like this. I, I asked Brian, I go, Jonathan Jans is the real deal, isn't he? And his reply was, yes. I said, okay. And Tucson's about two hours drive from where I live. So that was the conversation. Jonathan Jans is the real deal. Yes. Okay. On my way home, um, and I had been, you know, we, we were kicking back a couple the night before and I hardly slept. And then the next day I was just wired and I drove home and I could not get it out of my head. And I, when I got home, I emailed them and said, do you want to do all your, your backlist, do 11 books at the time he had a couple coming out. Um, so it was his entire backlist plus the, the next two that I had heard about. So we were like, do you want to do 11 books? And he said, yes. And I'm like, sweet. So, I mean, it's just like, that's, that's the kind of thing that, um, it's the kind of story that if you're in the industry, just because it doesn't work out the first time, doesn't mean it won't work out. You know, I mean, cause if, if we would have gave, if I would have gave up after darkest lullaby, or if he would have gave up after darkest lullaby and I would have gave up after Ex- exorcist falls, it wouldn't have happened, but it ended up happening. And it was a, it was a great set. Um, I've told people, you know, I, I kind of, um, that's that set of books I'm really, really proud of. It's probably, I think it's going to be one of the ones that are, you know, 20 years from now are the most sought after. So if you happen to own a set, you know, <laughs> I think that's awesome. So we did 11 books uh, over the course of probably a couple of years as well. He, he's, he is truly talented and he's such a kind person too. So uh, yeah, he's, he's awesome. I just got an Exorcist Falls, but it's a paperback version when I'm in it. That scares the care. And I uh, heard a lot of great things about that. So I'm looking towards that. Um, Brennan, why don't you go ahead, buddy? I, I was just thinking back when we had uh, Jonathan on um, maybe like six months ago, he was talking about that set and he had only the kindest things to say about you, Paul. And I won't try and spit out the story because I'll mess it up, but he had talked about how uh with the timing of that set coming out that you you played with the timing of that set coming out so it would be most advantageous to him and it was just not it didn't strike him as the a typical thing for a publisher to do to really almost put themselves out uh you know to the advantage of the author um and like i said he told that story and he spoke very highly of you on that front um (laughs) so Let's talk about, uh, you know, you said you do mostly hardcover limited editions, but you also have kind of a uh, standing appointment to work with Nightworms every so often. And you've you've done some really interesting titles from, uh, you know, you brought um, John Bowden's Jedi Summer, uh, Back from the Dead for a limited edition, uh, gave the world a preview of Wormwood, brought uh, Ronald Malfi's Snow. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about working with Nightworms. Yeah, um, working with Sadie and Ashley is I, I just I just love working with them. Um, it really came about I I once um, I asked them, hey, how do you get into these you know these package things? And I was talking mostly about like promo materials, like what do you look for like in bookmarks and stuff like that. And it just popped in my head. Uh, I I was just thinking about stuff, and I'm like, I wonder if they would be interested if I could get them like an exclusive book. Or, or or a couple of exclusive books. So um, I believe 
I believe the first one we did together was Brian Keene and Jonathan Jans were those two books. Um, one was Tales from the Shadow Side, which I had already done as a limited edition hardcover. And Brian's, I think, was a brand new short story collection. Uh, was it A Little Sorrow Talk? Yeah, A Little Sorrow Talk. So those two books, and I was already planning on doing the hardcover. So I asked, and and they seemed interested. And I asked Brian and Jonathan if you know they wanted to do it. And it kind of just happened um, as far as like, everybody was agreeable and tested it out and everything worked out fine. So after the first one, it's, you know, you kind of lay the groundwork for doing it again. So, you know, so every, every once in a while, um, I'll, you know, work with them. A lot of their packages are themed. So a lot of times they'll send me ideas. Hey, what do you think about, you know, putting together a package with, you know, author X and author Y and, you know, then we, I kind of, see what I can do with it. Um, so that's kind of how that happened. And it's, you know, it's, we've done a couple packages together. So they're a lot of fun. Um, and then it get, it gives it, you know, hopefully the, the buyers that are packaged gets an exclusive uh, signed book. I mean, it's, they're paperbacks, but they are exclusive to Nightworms. I don't sell those separately. Um, and then I'll do a hardcover version as part of my normal, you know, Thunderstorm routine. Now you you probably can't give us certain details, but are you uh, going to be working with them again in the near future? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> okay, <laughs> coy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a maybe. We'll see. All right. Now, <laughs> Patrick asked you earlier. He said, "Are those all thunderstorms behind you?" And uh, you said, "You're pretty sure." Now it looks to me like they're all hanging out in sets of three. So I'm wondering. Why is the magic number three? Do you hold on to three of every book you print and why, why three? Uh, yeah. So originally um, when I was starting out, uh, I was going to, I have um, my wife wanted one or one for us, you know, me and my wife. And then well, I have two daughters. So I'm like, oh, they can each have one. Um, and when I started out my youngest was eight. I'm sorry. My oldest was eight. My youngest was three. So it seemed like, Hey, that's something they can remember their dad by and they can have these. <laughs> and now my oldest is a senior in college. And I don't, I mean, I don't even know if, you know, she's in college, so she's living in an apartment. So they're staying here type thing, but I don't even know anymore. I mean, we're at 380 right now <laughs> at, at, at this talk and that's that's different titles so if you you know throw in letter versions and paperback versions it's it's immense um and i have a my brother you know i give him a copy of everything i do too and it's like well i'll go over to his house he only has one copy of each and it's just and it's just like wow i can't imagine I hate to sound, this sounds weird, but I can't imagine burdening her with like, hey, everywhere you move the rest of your life, you know, bring these <laughs> 380 books around with you, <laughs> you know, and, and it's still growing too. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it ends up, I'm not sure. Maybe I'll give her, uh, I want to get, I want them to keep the Tempest line, which is um, like a thing that Mary San Giovanni kind of, and I kind of co-edit, but she's kind of the main editor of that. Um, which focuses on, you know, 
um, uh, female voices in the horror community. So uh, I'm hoping that line continues to grow over the years. And, you know, if, if they have to lug around it, if that, even if that line ends up being 50 books, you know, it's, that's a lot more manageable to, to move around for the rest of your life than hundreds and hundreds. Um, Cause my youngest one really isn't even a horror fan. My oldest one is more of a horror fan than my youngest. So um, it would be kind of hard for them to, but that's how the three originated. It was one for me and one for each of them, but we'll see. Or maybe they can, I don't know, sell them and I don't know, buy a taco with them or something. I don't know. <laughs> I wanted to buy that true crime, that true crime for the Tempest line. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the Sam, uh, cold Nesnik's true crime. That's the, yeah. That's a, the one that we uh, started it with. That's an yeah. awesome novella. That's a really good. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah, Brent and I just read our second one. Wait, it's just as you know what, man. It's a lot. Oh, you guys see, you guys are lucky. I saw that and I'm like, oh my goodness, that's. <laughs> it's really good. It's fucked up, to... but it's good. Yeah. Yeah. How how long is it? It's a novella. Uh, is it? I. It's you know probably you at a guess. It's probably about the same length, maybe maybe even a little bit shorter than True Crime. So oh. that just that deals with. Um, oh wait, she hasn't said what it's about. No, I'm not gonna say. Yeah, I don't know if we're allowed to. So we'll we'll err on the side of safety. But oh man, I'm just thinking. You know, 380 titles plus the extra stuff plus three of each. That's a U-Haul in and of itself. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But I'm I'm so glad that you plugged the Tempest line because you know I wanted to bring that up if you didn't. Um, you've had some phenomenal authors in there, and uh, you've had uh, like you said you started off with uh, Samantha's book. You had Gwendolyn Keist on there, Summer Cannon. Uh, you just announced one with Laurel Hightower. Mm-hmm. Uh, are am I missing anybody, or is it just no, the four? Uh, so far, it's just the four. L- Laurel's is going to be number four, and. Um... That should be going to the printer any day. I think she just sent off the signature sheets. Um, so it should be towards the end of the year that that one will come out. So um, I do have a couple others in the works, possibly. So it's it's something that we'll keep going. That's and, excellent. I love and, that. and the one the one reason, and I don't mean to switch topics on you guys, but uh, the one reason that I, I asked about the length of that book of, of Samantha's is I don't know. It's this thing with me, but I really, really love um, four novella collections. Like if, if, if for some reason they just speak to me as far as like, especially in sign limited format. So like I did, uh, I did uh, the four books of like Haley Piper, for example, I, you know, wrapped them all up into, into one book. Um, and uh it's, I don't know. It, I think it, it, it works on so many levels because it gives a person who's buying the book a chance, you know, they get four chances basically to, you know, make a connection with the, the, the reader. And mm-hmm. if, you know, if, if you, if you just do a novel, right. I mean, I'm not going to lie, you know, sign limited editions are expensive, especially if, you know, if, if, uh, if there's kind of extremely limited, which thunderstorm tends to be, you know, you're talking close to a hundred bucks a lot of times on these books. If you go out and you can buy the paperback of a novel for, you know, 1295 or 1595, this going all the way up to a hundred bucks, that's a huge difference between the two prices. But in the case of novellas, it's like, 
you can, you know, if you're going to spend 12 bucks each, you're halfway there. You're halfway <laughs> to, to, to that hundred of if, if I can combine them all into one collection. So I don't know. I just, I'm just throwing that out there because I, you know, I just kind of love the concept of four novella collections. I, I, maybe it's just a, a thing with me now. I mean, it's like kind of a fad, but I kind of, I always keep that in the back of my mind of, you know, hmm. They just came out with a novella. Samantha, the hook is there. (laughs) You know, well, it's not just Samantha's. It's you know, there's a lot of novellas out there now, and it's like, hmm, I wonder if they have one or two more, maybe (laughs) you know, on a drive somewhere. So, I mean, you can reach four to five hundred pages on on four novellas, so it's definitely worth it. Yeah, and my uh, my, I don't want to say typical book, but my most popular line is like, I make them oversize. So um, they're like seven by 10, which from a cost perspective is kind of dumb, but from, I don't know. I like being a little bit different, you know? Hmm. And um, the original concept behind that was to uh, showcase cover art more, you know, I'm like, Oh, give them a bigger, you know, a bigger area to work cover art wise. Cause it's like 35% bigger than a six by nine. It doesn't seem like it, but it is. So, um, yeah. So. No. All right. Uh, now, so I don't, I oh. guess my, my point in, I'm sorry. And my point in that is like page counts don't really, you know, I can get, I can get big. I can, I can get 200,000 book or 200,000 words into a book without a problem. Wow. Nice. It's a lot. <laughs> go ahead, Brent. Patrick, I was in the middle of interrupting you. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to take over your segue, but I'll do it. Rob, Ron, we talked a little bit about it. Let's let's uh, talk about Deadeye. Tell us. Okay. Uh, so it started six years ago with the idea, but did that concept for Deadeye start earlier for you? Yeah, um, actually, it was when I was 16 years old, I, I created it. <laughs> you know, I was still in high school, and, and I was making up comic book characters. You know, I wanted to be a comic book uh, artist, and, and you know, as I've said before, I, I collaborated with a guy named Lowell Cunningham, who went on to make uh, uh, Men in Black, you know, the comic Men in Black, so... Uh, we did comics together in um, in high school, and then I started doing them on, on my own, and I was making up characters. and And I was reading a lot of Western, you know, series and stuff, um, and um, came up with the idea of this uh, gunfighter, uh, uh, Civil War veteran who uh, his, his family had been killed, and and um, he had been blinded by the outlaw who killed his family, and um, they had rubbed foxfire in his eye and it glowed. So uh, I'm, he, he kind of, uh, they thought he was dead and he came back as dead. Eye. So, so you know, that I had the idea when I was 16, you know, I didn't do anything with it. But, uh, but in the 90s, I actually went to Berkeley Books with the idea to do a, a uh, kind of a horror Western series where Dead Eye would take on a different monster every every book and and you know they they you know they liked the idea but they didn't think i could sustain you know like a monster a book you know over a long period of time which they were actually right the, you know i i would have ended up having uh did i fight bigfoot and 
<laughs> and Loch Ness Monster and, and aliens and stuff like that before it was over with. So um, I like to tell everybody that, I, you know, I kept dead eye. And my, I have no cedar chest to my mama's that I keep a lot of old papers and stuff in. So that I went back in the cedar chest. It's about the size of a coffin. So <laughs> that was appropriate. But, um, you know, and then, you know, I didn't think anything else about Dead Eye. You know, I, I mentioned it to Paul, you know, a few years ago. And he said, yeah, that'd be interesting to do. But, you know, I wasn't in, you know, the mind frame of actually sitting down and doing it. I was working on other stuff and short story collections and stuff like that. And then um, the splatterpunk um, subgenre took off. And I thought, well, this is a good time as any. <laughs> to get old dead eye out of the coffin again and and you know and i actually ca i came up with his sidekick job you know named after job in the bible uh, an old louisiana mojo man and you know this this book has turned out to be really fun to write because there's a lot of dark humor in it and and uh job and did i kind of play off each other like almost like a happen leonard kind of uh characters you know so it's 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 been real you know there's a lot of humor in it there's a lot of I, i'm actually kind of inflicting some cosmic horror in it and and like there's there's a portal that um that um the the there's a witch called evangeline in the in the book and she is recruiting creatures and stuff from you know other realms and stuff to fight dead eye and job so um, so I'm bringing, you know, a lot of really crazy monsters and creatures and stuff. And, and I'm inflicting a little bit of, uh, archive mythos in it, you know, some stuff from fear County and oh, nice. some other books, you know? And so, so that's fun too, to, to kind of draw from, uh, my, some of my mythos, you know, some of my other books and everything, you'll see some characters from other books and, and uh, I, Paul uh, published a book called, I, uh, it was a, a novella book called uh, Strong Steps. You mm -hmm. remember that, Paul? Yeah, I do. And, that was a little chapbook. Yes. It was about a guy a who, uh, he was, uh, he had a, oh, I, I, was it, I know he had a, like a crutch. Yeah, uh, it, it, the guy with cerebral palsy. That's right. And this demon, was uh, uh, this was actually a story I wrote uh, um, when Cemetery Dance had me um, write um, like personalized stories from for people, and this is actually one of the stories. And um, um, the guy that I I wrote the story for was heavily, you know, he was his faith was he was a, uh, of the Catholic faith. So I, I incorporated it into that story, and there's a demon called John Legion in it that uh, has a, a snake tattoo that goes from his shoulder all the way down to his fingers, and John Legion is going to be a, a recurring character in Dead Eye. So, so I, I'm you know, I'm going back and drawing stuff, and I, there's actually a, a reference to After the Burn in it because these um, these creatures can go, go back in time and or go forward in time and and take, you know, recruit creatures from from other times and realms. So, so yeah, I've got a lot to play with uh, with Dead Eye. It's, uh, it's really turned out to be 
one of the funnest things I've, I've actually written in a long while. Sounds fun. What, one of one of the things, like Ron mentioned, and I don't, I don't mean to step in, but uh, is like he said, the humor in it. Yeah, uh, that's what I kind of enjoyed the most. Um, and it's just you know, there's just parts where it's it doesn't take itself so seriously. It's just one of those things that it's kind of like something that you would read around a campfire, if that makes sense. I don't. I hope I'm not. You know, I hope no, Ron agrees. It's it's like I a camp. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like a campfire story type thing. And um, so I got a question for Ron. How about that, yeah. guys? Should we do an exclusive right here, right yeah, on camera? Let's do it. Okay. Should we ask? So I got the all right. So here's the cover, right? Can mm -hmm. you see that? Now you're probably thinking, oh, look at it. it's Paul's got the book ready, right? Nah, nah, I'm cheating. <laughs> I don't have the book. I just have the dust jacket. See, I wrapped it around. Uh, <laughs> I wrapped it around the, the sister's book. That's, so that's see, that's see, that 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 signature page. Yeah, no, that's not this book, right? So how about we ask Ron right here, right now, since he brought up his artwork skills, if he will draw artwork for the signature page? Uh, how can I turn that down? <laughs> <laughs> you can't. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we, we get some we get some signature signature page art in it, and we'll uh, it'll it'll be a he does he does a good job with his artwork. I, he did uh, the cover for uh, Mister Glowbones. Yeah. yeah, which is actually coming out. It's actually coming out. Uh, we're putting it out in a paperback. Crossroads Press is, and, and I've got twelve uh, twelve pieces of artwork in the inside the books so yeah I'm, nice. I'm getting more into the artwork you know um i've you know i've actually got the freedom of kind of you know orchestrating what i want to you know want to publish and do now and that's that's you know that's a great that's a great feeling you know after all these years to to kind of pave your own road and and everything like that and uh yeah i mean mr blow mr Globones was you know when did we do that, Paul? About 2014 or something like that. That sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. And that yeah. was a that was a big hit too. And and people seem to be excited about you know it coming back because it was only What's, in the ebook like, for years and years. Yeah, because it's mostly uh it's Halloween stories, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember the story about the the kid in the razor uh, razor blade in this. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Brennan and um, Pat like that story. <laughs> oh, the ways, yeah. No, no. Yeah, you're talking about me. <laughs> I mean, it was well written, Ron, but you know how that story makes me feel icky. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, with, with you agreeing to uh, make a signature page, a perfect time to mention that uh, this, this episode's going live on September 30th. So, if you're listening to this on release day, uh, unless I'm mistaken, and Paul, jump in and correct me if I am, you got about 24 hours to uh, pre-order this book. So oh, you yeah, should do that immediately. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, so what I'm doing is uh, I kind of want to look at um, how much demand there's going to be for you know this print run, especially when you have a bunch of books in succession. So uh, as far as, I'm sorry, a bunch of books under one contract. So we kind of, I talked it over with Ron and it's like, hey, let's see how many people are interested, how many want to buy it. Let's put it up for pre-order. 
Um, and we're going to run that pre-order until like August, uh, October 1st. Um, so like, like Brendan says, if you're listening, you got, you got a day or two. That's about it. But once you're in, if you buy book one, you'll be, uh, you know, you got the first rights to book two, three, four, five, and we'll, you know, the same print run will be for the rest of the line. So, um, That's so yeah, cool. yeah. Go right on to thunderstormbooks.com. You can pick it up there. It's under, it's on pre-order right now. Uh, if you have any questions, my email is thunderstormbooks at gmail.com. And I always try to answer any questions that um, potential book buyers may have or book collectors may have. That's great. Um, Ron, I'm yes. not asking for you to announce who this is, but do you have a date when an announcement for further formats of that book will come out? Uh, yeah, right after the pre-order for the um, limited edition, um, I've got a publisher lined up to do uh, paperback and an ebook, and they'll be making that announcement uh, a day or two after the the hardcover pre-order is done with. So, so I can't th- I can't tell you right now. I'm sure a lot of people can guess who it is, but uh, hey, you want to tell them today, Ron? I'm good with that. If you want to say it, I'm a hundred percent okay with it. We only got one more day left. Okay. Well, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll, now, I'll see. You. I'm an author's. I'm an author's publisher. I uh, give them the <laughs> break the contract. Ron, break the contract. Yeah. What contract? <laughs> I just got the, the cool publisher. publisher. <laughs> All right. Um, so the the publisher for the paperback and the ebook will be Silver Shamrock Publishing. Oh Timothy. my God! I didn't know. Oh no, you didn't know, did you? <laughs> I hear they're very good. <laughs> yeah, I hear they're good too. <laughs> That's pretty neat. It seems like you kind of have um, your publishers that you go to. You know, you got Paul, uh, Ken, Crossroads, and those seems to be your three that you always go to. Yeah, that's the the three the three I can depend on. I mean. Uh, I mean, I am branching out a little bit. I, I've done, you know, the Spider book I did with DNT. It's a new, uh, a new indie publisher, and, and they did a great job, and and you know, it's selling really good. And so, you know, I, you know, it's just like, um, um, you know, when I wrote for Zebra, I had all my my eggs in one basket, and and then when Zebra went down. Um, you know, I didn't have anything anymore. You know, I was just out of a job. So, so that, that taught me a lesson to, to, you know, spread your, spread your projects evenly, you know, uh, several publishers and stuff like that. And, and it's, it's really worked out great for me, you know, uh, plus, you know, each publisher is unique. They, they promote in, in certain ways and, and, um, you know, you know, I love working with Paul and, and David Wilson at uh, at Crossroads and and Kim McKinley. You know, um, it's just been a great you know publishing relationships all around. Oh, oh, and you got one more. I don't know if you've announced it yet. Have you announced your nonfiction book coming out? Who you're working with? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah uh, through Stygian Sky Media. Uh, They'll be doing my uh, my memoir uh, writing tips book. Uh, it's called uh, Southern Fried and Horrified. So um, uh, I, I don't have a, a release date for that yet. I had turned in the full manuscript, but uh, it's about half written and and 
so you know, I got I got really cool um, artists lined up for it. I can't I can't tell you who it is right now, but uh, but you know, it's 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 gonna be a, a, a you know, it's I'm gonna give you a you know a lot of insight on Oran and and what I've been through over the years and and you know how I came to be you know the the honorary old horror writer I am. <laughs> I I'm thrilled that. with that man. I really am. All right, so Paul, we let Ron, uh, you know, harp on about all his future projects. So, can you tell us uh, what else Thunderstorm has up for pre-order that people can look for right now? Oh, sure. Um, um, and uh, just to you know to uh, add on to what Ron says about you know having all your eggs in one basket, I you know I 100% agree. And uh, I'm you know I do the limited editions, but I I love it when I hear about authors with uh, paperback deals and larger market deals and uh, you know, getting the the work out there to a large, you know, body of readers, the, you know, the, the more, the better. So, um, so I'm not one of those guys. It's like, Oh, it's not a, all be thunderstorm and exclusive. And that, that's not the way it works, you know? Um, and I'm also, you know, I, I try to be a, a, an author's publisher, right? Like, no deadlines. I run a deadline free press. I mean, I don't have them. So um, there's probably a little bit of exceptions to it. Like you're, you're probably thinking, no, they well, no way that doesn't work, but um, they're very, very few and far between. And there's usually circumstances around it that are, uh, that it has to happen. But again, that's, it's pretty much deadline free. Um as far as other stuff coming out, again, Ron's book is up for pre-order. I got, um, uh, let's see here. Well, by the time, I'm going to see, this is going to air September 30th. So what will still be up by then will be, um, sorry, guys. Brian Keene's The Terminal, which was his second novel. We're doing the author's preferred edition for that. So um, he kind of wrote a lengthy introduction to it that kind of, explains the difference between all his versions of this book, but that's going to get a, you know, full size limited edition hardcover. It's kind of the same deal. It's up for pre-order to see how many people are interested and we'll probably base the print run to that. Um, I'm also doing um, clickers never die by um, Stephen Kozanowski and Wally young. Same deal. It's kind of a pre-order thing. And I, you know, I'm not usually into the whole pre-order thing because um, I don't like having book buyers wait for their books. I mean, um, like for instance, the Sisters of Slaughter book that's, you know, just came in. Um, you know, I just announced that a couple days ago on that book expo when it just came in. That's kind of how I like to run the press. I like to make the announcement and start shipping fairly quickly. But there's been some reasons why I wanted to do this, especially as the year is coming down to an end. So there, those three books are all kind of pre-order. And again, it's a little bit odd for me because I usually don't do a lot of pre-orders. But uh, those will be up for pre-order. Um, and then I'm going to kind of play it by ear. Like you mentioned, uh, Crossroads from Laura uh, Hightower. That's going to be out this year. I have... Uh, let's see, the Sister of Slaughter's book has just come out. Uh, I mentioned earlier, Kiss of Life, my... Um, Gene O'Neill and, and Cord Rollo will be out. Um, Drowning in Oceans of Black by Brandon Ford will be out. Uh, there'll be some other, you know, Standalone by Paul Michael Anderson will be out. 
Uh, hopefully they're still available at the end of the month. Um, we'll see. Sometimes, sometimes thunderstorm stuff sells out day one and sometimes it's available for a while. So it just kind of depends on the title. Um, and then later in the year, I got some huge announcements. I'm kind of, you know, waiting for the, you know, the time to, to announce, but that'll, a lot of those will probably go into 2022. Um, so I, I got a, I got a lot of stuff coming up. Um, I usually do about 40 books a year. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah. Is so, it just, <laughs> is it just you and your editors or, and I also want to know, is this your full-time job? No, nah, I work full-time too. Um, oh, wow. this is my, this is my part-time job, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, you know, one of those things that's like, Hey, I always wanted it to be my full-time job. And it's like, you know, a lot of, sometimes I do work, you know, 40 hours a week on it. Uh, and then other times I don't, but like you just mentioned my editors, I mean, they carry me a lot of times when I'm just, you know, I, I, I like to pass out the work. I'm, I, I'm not really a micromanager. So if an editor says it's good and it's good. They know my brand. They know what I'm looking for. I, I completely have 100% faith and trust in them. Um, I got uh, Lee Haig, who's not only edits, but he does a lot of my layout work. Um, Todd Clark, we mentioned him earlier, who he, he's got, he does a lot of, uh, you know, he gets me involved with, you know, authors that I would never dream of. Um, and uh, Kyle Liebeck, and who's just a, he's got an eye for copy editing. He's probably copy edited the most for me. Um, and then I got another uh, copy editor slash submissions editor, uh, John Foley. So there's like five of us that are kind of, you know, handling the workload. Um, but yeah, I, I, I work full-time too, you know, for just cause, you know, I have to, but, um, but yeah, I, I do put a lot of time into thunderstorm. I mean, it's one of those things where even if you're not, you know, physically reading a book or a manuscript or, um, you know, reviewing something in email, you're thinking about something, right? You're always thinking, it's always going on in my head. Uh, and sometimes it's going on in my head in the back burner and, you know, it'll, you know, pop out. It's the weirdest thing. It's, you know, it's like the old, the old um, saying, where do writers get their ideas, right? Everybody hates that question, right? And it's just kind of the same thing for publishers. Sometimes just ideas will pop out. I mean, I have an idea for a line of books that I want to come out next year. And I've, I've already started laying the groundwork on it and it, it just won't leave my head. And it's like, Oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. And it's just one of those things that I have to, you know, kind of plan out and, you know, figure out. And the other thing is, and I'm not, I'm not bragging or anything. Believe me. Cause I, when I make mistakes, I feel so stupid about it, but I don't really write a lot of stuff down. I don't plan it all out. So when I say I'm doing 40 books, I got like 20 books going on in my head. And I just remember where we are in the process of it. It's not like I write down, hey, I sent the signature sheets to this author on this date. It's just one of those things like, yeah, that one I need signature sheets, that one I don't. And this one I, you know, and I kind of just, I just kind of roll with things. And then it's like, well, I got some more books in. That means... That's, that's my cue. I got to send off some more to the printer, you know, so, so it just keeps the ball keeps rolling and then I'll, you know, figure out which ones are ready to go. And like I said, I, a lot of times I don't make the actual announcements until the books are pretty much in hand or nearly in hand. So that's smart. 
Yeah, yeah I hope so. Yeah, I think so. I think <laughs> I think customers appreciate it. Um, you know, I mean, why well, have to, you know, as I'm promoting Ron's book that won't be out until the end of the year. But, you know, for the most part, though, it, it's like I think they appreciate, hey, you know, it means that it's ready to go. And we were doing that with the essentials, like after the first couple of books, it's like we weren't making an early announcements. It was pretty much as they were coming out. And same with the buzzer zone. I don't think I even announced that until it was printed. Um, I think it's, that's good. Sorry, Paul, go ahead. Well, I was, I was just going to say, I think customers, you know, kind of appreciate that. I mean, for sure. It doesn't tie up their money for an extended period of time. I mean, I just, I just, I'm still shipping uh, Brian Keene's The Seven Labyrinth Book One. Mm. Uh, and we did a pre order for that in June. And that seems like a lifetime ago to me. It was 90 days ago. And I feel kind of bad that it's taken me this long to get it out. It's 90 days. And in publishing world, that's like a microsecond. And mm. I still kind of feel bad <laughs> yeah. about it because. I still kind of feel bad about it because 90 days for me is a long time. I, I mean, I wish I would have, you know, got it out about a month ago, but sometimes that's how it works out. So, yeah, you know, life, life happens. Um, Frequent customers know it's worth the wait. Well, we, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I had a, oh yeah. Buzzer. <laughs> I was going to say buzzer's bay. Well, I can't, the buzzer zone. That was it. Right. Ron, your book. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> The that's Sisters the, of Slaughter are in that book. I think that's the next one I'm going to read from uh, your your bibliography, specifically right. for that reason. Let's, I want to see what kind of hell you put them through. So now is it's, <laughs> now is the part that's like the one. This is like the one genre, like darker stuff is is where readers and your friends, if you say like, "Hey, I'm gonna insert whatever death or torture." Most of the times I'll be excited that you're killing them. <laughs> uh, the, now that we reached part of the show where we ask, what are you currently reading? So how about we start with you, Paul? What am I currently, re- you know, I have a bad habit. I'll, I'll pick up a bunch of books and, um, and I, I'm like, as soon as I get this, I'm going to start reading it. And then I get it and I don't start reading it. And then the next one comes in. As soon as I get it, I'm going to read it. <laughs> um, it's hard as a publisher um, to read for pleasure. Um, I normally try to read books that I want to, I want to publish. So even when okay. I go out, even when I go out and buy paperbacks in the back of my mind, I'm like, if this is really good, I'm going to see if I can, you know, you know, try to get it as a hardcover. Um so let's the actually the one I read last was uh um um Dead Eye. That was the one of the last ones that I completely finished. Um let's see. The last book I bought was the I think Ali Say. I loved her first one. Um oh, the one that uh her first one was the one where the serial killer is against the um like moves in next door to a, a go down hard. That's mm-hmm. it. I bought that and I love it. I, I really like that book. That was a good book. And so I bought her follow-up one, which just came out from weird punk. I don't remember the title. I'm sorry, but that's probably going to be my, on my head either. That's probably going to be my next read. So I think it's to offer her pleasure. If I, that's if it. I uh, yeah, remember that's that right. It. That yeah, just arrived the other day. Killer. Go down hard was excellent. Yep. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. So you know what, Brian, I could definitely more so me because that guy uh, somehow reads like a tenfold more books than myself. I think he's lying most of the time. Just kidding. But um, we tend to focus on what we're for guests coming up. We focus on those books more often than not. Um, and we have another show, like I said, in the intro on Burying the Dead, where we read classic horror paperbacks like uh, Rosemary's Baby and uh, what's the other one we're doing in October, Brennan? Uh, good on. Might be The Exorcist. I don't know if we uh, nailed it down yet, but. Okay. Let's yeah. So, so that's like seven to nine books a month. And, uh, you know, I just, there's so many. I do the same thing, Paul. I just went to a thrift store the other day and I got like three books each for 50 cents. And I'm like, this looks, this looks good. And this looks good. One's on like cults and the other ones, uh, I forget what the other two were, but I'm probably not going to read those for a while. And my wife's always like, we don't need this. I'm like, I know, (laughs) (laughs) but I might. So uh, Ron, what are you currently reading, sir? Well, I just finished Jonathan Jance's The Raven, which was incredible. Uh, I really like the 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 world of creatures he he concocted on that. It it was really great. Uh, I'm fixing to start on Rich Hismar's Chasing the Boogeyman, uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. You know, it's really good. Yeah. Um, then after that, uh, probably uh, the Magpie Coffin by Wally Young. I just got I just got a copy from from him. Signs, so I'm looking forward to reading that. They'll be it'll be the first Spider Punk I've I've read. I purposely try I purposely tried not to read any of these before I started Dead Eye because I didn't want to to be influenced by you know the Spider Punk you know books and stuff like that. So I could kind of start mine you know on my own terms you know without you know having the influence me and make and where I'd want to kind of um, emulate, you know, how they're written and everything. But I'm now that I got that I kind of kicked off, I'm, I'm going to sit back and enjoy some of them. It is interesting to, as a reader to just kind of sit back and see how, let's just for the sake of argument, say, or the conversation, say that it's bringing up my generation compared to yours, Ron, where, like you, for example, you've written West straight Westerns haven't published before, as has like Joe uh, Lansdale um, to see those guys kind of tackle. I can't announce this. Brennan um, can't actually announce it, that uh, Joe Lansdale's got a splatterpunk Western in his upcoming anthology uh, midnight. What is it? Midnight in the stagecoach in the stagecoach. Yeah. So it's interesting to see how like, you guys who grew up on that, and I mean, I'm just going to assume that you were big into Westerns as a kid, like uh, my, my father was, and how kids my age are probably not of that background, and they're writing their version of a Western. It's, it's just kind of really interesting to see that, how it all blends together. Uh, Brennan, what are you reading right now? I'm just going to say real quick, Ron, with uh, with Chasing the Boogeyman and Magpie Coffin and you just finished up The Raven, like you got some good reading, like right behind you and right in front of you. Uh, yeah, you're in you're in for a good couple of weeks. Um, I am reading Boys in the Valley by uh, Philip Fricasse. 
It's uh, out through Earthling Publications, their their annual Halloween series. It's getting a uh, limited edition. Sorry, Paul, I don't mean to talk about the competition. Um, oh, pa- Paul Miller is awesome. I mean, he's he was one of the when I started out. He was kind of like a. I turned to him for advice. I I can't say enough enough nice things about Paul Miller. I'm a huge Earthling fan. I got a, a ton yeah. of their stuff. Yeah, he's not uh, on I've Twitter. Does I've only. I don't think he does. No, I've only corresponded with him through email, but he's just a really nice guy to talk to. Seems yeah. like it seems like a really good guy. Uh, and this book is phenomenal. Um, I, I'm, you know, Pat, you tend to do this and I try to stay away from it. I always get weary of it, but like I'm, I'm halfway through and I'm, I'm already looking at this and saying, this is going to be one of my favorites of the year. Uh, it's, it really just hits every note I'm looking for. It takes place in 1905 in um, uh, an orphanage run by Catholic priests. And it's just kind of out in the middle of nowhere in the winter. And it's uh, kind of overtaken by this evil. Um, and it's just, it, it's coming of age and it's dark and it's relentless. Um, but it also has this beauty to it because that's the way Philip writes. Um, it's, I absolutely love it so far and I just, I can't turn the pages fast enough. Patrick, how about you? Yeah. So, um, I'm reading for Kenzie Jennings, uh, episode, I'm reading uh, red station for the first time, a spider punk Western. Uh, speaking of, I don't think we mentioned them, Jared Barbie and Patrick Harrison, uh, they're press, um, Death's Head Press. They're, they're great. They're two great guys. They run it, you know, safe to say, I haven't published with them, but they seem like you, Paul, where they're uh, an author's publisher or take it that reverse, maybe. They, they seem like they're oh, yeah. really good to deal with. Um, For sure. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Death's Head Press fan. Yeah, yeah, same here. And then I just read uh recently the Joe Hill chapbook, uh not Joe Hill, Joe Arlandsdale chapbook. Um just phenomenal stuff. I just finished this recently, Chasing the Boogeyman. I can't say enough good things about it. I mean it's it's so damn good and I can't tell what's real and what's fake in there. <laughs> like Ed, Edgewood, Maryland's a real place and he's he, he lists his wife as his wife in it and I mean, I'm pretty sure he didn't like I'm not gonna ruin it. Never mind. I'm not gonna dive into that. But yeah, uh Boys in the Valley. That's my next book. Um I like Philip. What I've read of his stuff, it's weird, it's addictive. Um, so I'm excited for that. And I'm just gonna plug my own thing. Uh I'm I'm reading this. Uh it's kind of a little bit different than what horror writers talk about, at least that we talk about. This is for research for my debut. And uh I'm not gonna get into that, but it's just about the Korean War. And um, as there is with any war, there's a lot of fucked up stuff that are not discussed uh, in the text that you read in school. So, yeah, that's really far for me. And uh, now we are going to go to listeners. If you are interested in checking out our website or our store, feel free to check it out at deadheadspace.com. Paul, where can people follow you? Um. I am mostly on Twitter. <laughs> um, I'm not a social media type guy. I wish kind of don't even want Twitter anymore. <laughs> I, guess I, sh- I probably shouldn't say it because I don't blame you. I, but no, yeah, I'm on Twitter as I don't know. Thunderstorm something. Thunderstorm BKS. Um, but yeah, that's uh, I'll post there. But if, if you ever need anything by email is the best method. Probably 
thunderstormbooks at gmail.com. That's about it. I don't, I don't have any other Instagrams and all that stuff. I don't have any of that. So those Same. are the two, the two spots. But That's if you're probably why if, you get 40 hours of uh, of work a week done on Thunderstorm because you're not yeah. sitting on Twitter. <laughs> but that's the problem. I'm on I'm probably on Twitter more than I should be. I should be working more. You know what? If it wasn't for networking, because like I met so many wonderful people, you three, for example, off of Twitter. Um, if it wasn't for the networking aspect, I don't think I'd have it. It's just it's it's its own thing. I mean, I, I get it. I, <laughs> I understand the the networking part of it. And uh, again, there are some fabulous people on Twitter. I, it, but um, there's nothing like meeting them in real life in a, at a convention. I mean, if you held the two up side by side, there would really be no comparison at all. So I'm actually looking forward to 2022, maybe getting out and going to a convention again. And I'm I'm the most introverted guy in the world. And my first couple of conventions, I was scared shitless um but you know um once you get you know you start to know people and get to hang out with them and meet them and you know talk about stuff that's not like when for instance when we talked earlier about with ron you know talk about stuff that's you know not just about writing you know talk about family and you know growing up and things you've seen or things you've you know you get you make a more real connection with in real life, I believe anyway. Oh, uh, so I'm looking forward to 2022. Hopefully things are uh, good enough that we can start traveling again and seeing people in real life. So anyway, I'm sorry. I, no, no, no. That, that, no apologies. We're um, all feeling it, man. We're all feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll just start out there. I agree. I'm piggybacking off of your last comment. Uh, scares of care uh, this year. Um, that was fun. I got to meet Ron uh, amongst Many people, Ron, uh, Kim McKinley, Todd Keesling, Kenneth Kane, um, and Jans and Gabino, and eight. Oh, and you know what? Two guy, two guys that are incredible. They're like, if you love books, if you love classic car paperbacks, Mark Saber and uh, Jim. Um, his last name. Uh, I should know his last name. Um, Marshall, I think it is. They have this one booth where they just had they were like two bucks each for all these classic books they had some shizmar but they had older ones too like they had this robert block that i i don't even know existed and um you know you meet all these people you just start shooting the shit and it just feels right like if you talk to someone long enough on here like when i met ron it was just seeing an old buddy him ken a few of those but like it's it's a lot it's a lot stronger, obviously, but I just wanted to kind of say, yeah, I, I can definitely agree with that. Um, was supposed to meet Brennan this year, but Merrimack Book Festival got canceled, and for good reason, too. I totally get it. It just sucks. <laughs> Fucking COVID, man. <laughs> um, Ron, where can people follow you? Well, I'm I'm spread out. It's like I exploded all over the place. I'm I'm about everywhere. Um, Excellent. So uh, uh, you can check out RonaldKelly.com, my website, and um, my blog, uh, Southern Fried and Horrified. I, you can go there and read something from like 2018 or something because <laughs> I have up with writing blog spots and stuff like that, but. Uh, Twitter, I'm uh, Ronald Kelly Four. 
uh, on uh, Facebook, I'm Ronald Kelly. On uh, Instagram, I'm uh, Dixie Darkin. So, yeah, you know, um, you know, check me out there, and you know, you can always message me. You know, um, if you want signed books, you know, I got plenty. So, you know, just give me a holler, and I'll fix you up. And he'll draw something in them too. I will. I've seen him do it in person at, at the <laughs> at, at scares. And he do, like, how do you draw something that well that quick? I don't get it. Well, well, you know, I had to. I usually spend about ten to fifteen minutes drawing something. I had to cut my drawing time down to like two two minutes. So, but you know, it didn't. I don't think it suffered very much because people were just kind of fascinated. You know, watching me draw in their book. You know. I was afraid somebody's gonna be mad. I, was, I always asked them, "Can I draw, draw on your book?" And they said, "Yeah, go ahead." <laughs> the um, creator of Men in Black, the comic, is he still alive? Do you know? Do you still talk yeah. to him? Yeah, he, I, I hadn't talked to him in a long time, but um, I think he lives in Knoxville, uh, not too far away. But uh, that's what he went to UT uh, University of Tennessee. So I think he's up that way, but. Uh, you know, I've I've talked to his brother. He's a, he's got a twin brother, and uh, I've you know I've I've kind of communicated with his his brother more than him. But uh, and ha- have him hook you up and tell him that the uh, fair should get produced into a big Hollywood movie starring <laughs> Will Smith. Will Smith, uh, <laughs> <laughs> play Roscoe. There you go. Yeah, man. I mean, he's got he's getting, it for. He, he's getting about that old where he could play Roscoe. I think. <laughs> He doesn't look it, but he could, you know, he could pull it off. Uh, final thoughts, gentlemen. Let's start with you, Paul. Final thoughts? Anything. Uh, hey, I just want to thank everybody out there that, you know, buys my stuff or, you know, buys, supports the small press in any way. Even if it's not, if, if it's not mine, if you're buying paperbacks of your favorite authors, that's awesome. It's a, it's a, it's a, a really good, cool thing. I mean, I, I really enjoy the aspect of book collecting and, and I'm just grateful that I can be a small part of it. So, um, the, sometimes the world's not a great place, but it's kind of nice to, to have books around and, and the people who write books and are part of the industry. And, and I'm just so, so grateful for, for everybody who's, supported me over the years well you know what it seems like you ain't gonna be stopping anytime soon and that's awesome because you make a damn good product uh ron what are your final thoughts well i'd just like to personally thank paul for you know being such a great publisher and a great friend all these years you know um we started out you know at the beginning of paul's publishing uh days and it was it was my second you know my second win as a writer after after being away for 10 years and and paul's always treated me with you know the utmost respect and and he just really cares for his authors and and he's very receptive to their their ideas and their needs and wants and and I just, you know, I love you, Paul. You know, I just uh, I, I love you too, Ron. I'm, I'm looking forward to to many, many more books with you. So that's awesome. Yes, well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Brennan, do you have any more? Oh, you know what? Speaking of, Paul said this is kind of the theme for the night. 
where it's uh just be patient. Talk about patience, man. You were off for 10 years. You know, uh, we, we've, you've talked about it in great detail on the show, but I mean, did you, you wrote what, 10 books in, uh, six years, something like that for zebra six or eight uh, years. It was eight books in six years, I think. So bad, man. Uh, <laughs> but now look at how much you're writing. It's fair to say that you're somehow writing even more and yeah, yeah, you're it, crushing it. it. Uh, I mean, it's the, the motivations kind of kicked in after, you know, I kind of went stagnant for a while and, and uh, it almost seems like COVID came around and, and just kicked me in the butt and said, <laughs> you're, you're stuck here in the house, do some writing. You're something, you know? <laughs> get to work. <laughs> Yeah, get to work, you know. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, Brendan, what are your final thoughts, man? I mean, I want to big, big thanks to both Paul and to Ron for spending your Friday night with us. Um, we we all know you've got better things to do. But, uh, you know, uh, Ron, it's it's always a pleasure to have you on. And, and Paul, you do such phenomenal work like the finished products on on all those on all those books are just so they're gorgeous yeah. they're absolutely gorgeous uh and and frankly i don't think i can leave us with anything more poignant than uh you know what you said paul is that the world's not always a nice place and it's great to have books around so i'm <laughs> i'm going out on that <laughs> yeah i i get a second that paul it's uh very you know if i'm if i'm a new writer or even if not new. If I'm a writer and I'm looking for publishers and I hear this conversation, I'm going to try to pursue you. So it Thank you. that's yeah, that's kind of one reason why we have we don't want not a knock on any other show. But like this is all about the writing process, stories and people, people first. And uh, you can't <laughs> you can't get the finished result without the publisher. So it's it's fun having these talks. I just want to thank you, Ron. You as well, man. It's always a pleasure. I don't even know how many times you've been on at this point. So. I don't know. I'm losing <laughs> but but it's nice to always have you on, man. Uh, in any in any uh, capacity. And uh, well, thanks I, for having me on, guys. I appreciated uh, the offer, and thank you for co-hosting, Ron. And this is a great experience. I really enjoyed myself. Well, there wasn't anything pleasure, better Paul. to do on a Friday night. This is Friday night. <laughs> yeah. This is the only thing. Yeah. Party, baby. Books are life, right. sir. Books are life. <laughs> well, uh, that's right. We'll have to have you back. And, you know, maybe we could have yeah. a thunderstorm panel. That'd be cool. A bunch of thunderstorm authors with you. Yeah, that would be year. awesome. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Hey, you guys, uh, Patrick and Brennan, uh, shoot me uh, shoot me your address in the email, and I'll send you a batch of thunderstorm stuff for each of you guys. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> My sentiments exactly. Whoa. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. I'm going to just sign out now because uh, I'm going to freak out. Uh, thank you, Paul. Uh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> listeners, you've uh, I almost ended it. The next episode is episode 118. That is with Kenzie Jennings. Uh, like I said, she wrote Red Station amongst quite a few other books. Redemption. Uh, Re- Redemption. Good call. That's right. That was before Red station I believe. some some dude did the hardcover of that i don't remember who <laughs> was it you paul yeah listeners you have many choices in podcasts we certainly appreciate you picking us and have a good one
Hello, are you? You are now leaving Deadhead Space. <laughs>